The other day, I'm going to start with a story. The other day, um, I was I was talking to Dad on the phone, and um, I've got you know head, headphones, and so I'm just walking along talking to Dad, and, and this great conversation. Hey, Dad, having an engrossed conversation, and go go to the train station. Uh, I like to get on the you know a train that takes me to the hut. So I look at the thing. It says um, you know Melling train platform six. Go to platform six. Get on the train. Sit down. Just keep talking to Dad, and then. Um, and then just at the, um, I've been sitting there for a while. I look up at the sign on the on the on the train. I don't know if you've caught a train recently, but there's the little digital signs on the train where it tells you where it's going, and it said Porirua. I was like, oh no! So I talked to the guy next to me, and I go, is this train going to Porirua? He goes, you better be quick, mate. And so I ran to the door, and it was still at the platform, but um, the little button usually, if it's green, if the button's green, it means you can push it, and the door opens. If it's red, door doesn't open. The button was red. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I'm like, dad, I'm on the wrong train in <laughs> a bit of a panic. And then anyway, cut a long story short, I uh, end up catching the train out to the, out to the first station, which um, oh, I, mean, I was so confused. I don't think I've ever been on that train before. I thought I might end up in, in Johnsonville. I thought that would be all right. But, but actually the first um, stop was Takapu Road, which if you don't know, that's, that's pretty much Tawa. And, um, and then I get off this train and it felt like I was in a different country. <laughs> 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 Which is kind of fun. It's like you know, a cheap way to get overseas. And um, and they, but the train conductor was great. They gave me a transfer ticket, and he goes, "There must be something going on today. You're not the first one that's happened to." And then so I get on another train back home. I'm frantically texting Tessa, saying, "Oh, you know, Tessa, I'm I'm on the wrong train. I was giving these running updates. She wasn't replying." Um, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> end up back on a, you know, back on the right train home and get home. I don't know. It was actually fine. It was only about half an hour, actually a half an hour um, turnaround, and it didn't cost me anything. So it's all good. But then I sort of was thinking about this, how you know this whole this whole thing. I was in this great conversation with Dad. Got on a train that I thought was going in the right direction, and it wasn't. Can we go to the next train? Uh, next uh, next um, slide, actually. So. If you can't see it, this is just a Google Maps photo. So I ended up in, um, in, in, T- in Takapu Road Station and, um, and really wanted, I wanted to be in, uh, near, near Patoni. So it was close, but <laughs> not close enough. And, and, dinner, and dinner wasn't at Takapu Road Station. Dinner was happening over in, you know, near Patoni, well, actually at, at our place in Kotakoto. So I was like, completely wrong. And I wonder, and I sort of was thinking about this, how... Um, how this could be, this is like an illustration of how our lives can be sometimes. Um, you know, we're thinking we're, going in a, we're thinking we're going in a certain direction happily, just sitting on the train thinking, yeah, we're all going in the right direction. And then all of a sudden we realise, oh, no, I'm going to Poirirua. <laughs> you know, when we, you know um, when we want to go to the hut. Um, we're, on, we're off on a tangent. And so this is like what I'm we're kind of focusing on, on today. But um, before we get into that, um, this is where a taskmaster comes in. Let's, let's do an experiment. Let's do a thought experiment. I like thought experiments because you can just sit there and, you know, it's happening in your head. And, and this one's, uh, we're just going to use our imagination. So don't get too worried. Just going to be using our imagination. And then what I want us to do is if you can imagine being in heaven, imagine being in heaven. Imagine you're there right now. Let your imagination take you there. And what I want us to do is to think about if you were in heaven right now, what kind of person are you? 
What what are you like? What will what will you be like when you're in heaven? What kind of what kind of things will you be doing? What kind of things are you doing? And some of you actually seem to be in quite a cool space at the moment. I'm looking around and it's like bliss. Stay in that bliss. What what kind of feelings do you have? How would you feel? How would you be feeling in heaven? What kind of emotions you might might be like um Joaquim and um, crying, but how, how would you be feeling? Are you, um, what kind of emotions are you having? Or this is sort of like kind of inward, but, but what about other people? Other people are in heaven, do you know that? <laughs> how, do you, how do you relate to other people? How are you relating to other people? Oh, big one, how, how about God? How do you relate to God? Well, you might like to think about how do you feel about possessions? Treasures, <laughs> like a big, a big um, thing in our culture at the moment is individuality. Like, how do you feel? How do you feel about individuality in heaven? In heaven, status is status important or is it not? All right, snap out of that. <laughs> it's interesting, though, eh? I don't know what kind of things for, were coming to mind for you, but when I was like thinking about this, I was going, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be feeling. I'm going to be feeling peaceful. I'm going to be feeling joyful. I'm going to be feeling good. And uh, then I thought I started thinking about other people. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll be, I'll love other people. <laughs> I'll be kind to other people. You can probably see where I'm going with all of this. To, today, I want to um, focus in on, on formation. Whether we like it or not, we're, we're all being formed. We're being formed through the influences of, uh, of our immediate family and our homes um, at school, at work, in our workplace, um, Netflix, <laughs> Instagram, uh, Stuff News. Uh, we're being influenced. We're being formed even by, by the government. Um, and some of us are influenced and being formed by time, time, train timetables. And we we need to be aware of that, and we and we need to be able to consider the kind of people we're becoming. As followers of Jesus, it's about being formed uh, into the likeness of Jesus, being formed to be to be like Him, to be formed into His image. Romans twelve two it talks about being conformed, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewal of your mind. And um, you know, like just speaking from my uh, from my life, I think that I, for me, um, just had this concept that being transformed towards Christ likeness is was just I didn't really have to think about it too much. It was just going to happen. But but now I'm beginning to realise more and more that it's that it's not a not it's not a passive process, but it's active, and it requires our intention and our action. And so. Like formation is one word, but I want to put another word together with this. Kingdom. Kingdom formation is what I'm going to talk about. Kingdom formation. And kingdom formation means thinking about our, our ultimate future, which is with God, thinking about who we'll be, what we'll be like when we're in heaven, when we're resurrected and we're with God in heaven. Thinking about our ultimate future and thinking about how that might apply to our daily lives today. And tomorrow, and the next day, and the dot, dot, dot.
The Apostle Paul, he seemed to have like his he seemed to have ultimate futures in mind. The ultimate future in mind. So can we get the next slide up, please, Sean? He this is what Paul writes. Philippians 1.6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And later in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And And the next slide, please. Second Corinthians, I turn around just to make sure that I've put these slides together properly because I was doing it late last night. So anyway, it's not, not too, I'm not checking up on you, Sean. Second Corinthians, and this is a big one. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. So this is Second Corinthians 3.16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil was removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So my, my question, or my working hypothesis, or whatever you want to call it, is, is it possible, is it possible to begin living toward that future today? Uh, next slide, please. I'm going to turn around just to see. Yeah, if you did it right. This is, this is like a, a quote. It's a long one. And I, and I have, I have I've spoken this quote before, but it's, it's uh, just a bit of background. Once upon a time, I was looking on Facebook, this was like a few years ago, and I and I read this. And I was like, "This is amazing!" And I and I took a screenshot, and then and then I came across that screenshot months later. I'd completely forgotten about it. Thought this is amazing. I printed it out. I cut out the printout, and now it just like keeps falling out of my Bible or out of my notebook or wherever I have it at real weird moments, and it keeps speaking to me every time. So, Bishop Todd, Todd Bishop Todd Hunter. He's a bishop. He's a bishop in the Anglican Church in North America. And uh, you might recognize the name if you've been in Vineyard for a while. He used to be the the, uh, director of Vineyard Churches in the USA. And he said this a few years ago. Today, I want to talk about a big word, eschatology, and how it can help us in our walk with Christ. Eschatology simply means when this is all said and done, completed, where is it going? What is history's ultimate fulfillment? When Paul says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ, it is meant to give us an imagination for the way our lives are being pulled towards something. It is a powerful pull, an orientation toward consummation in Christ. For many of you, when you think of your own life and discipleship to Christ, you can quickly see and feel brokenness. Your sin and imperfections are always before you. For some, this leads to beating up on yourself, guilt trips and shame. When we're looking at our past or present brokenness and don't see where it's all heading, I think we lose a great assistance, a great power in our discipleship to Jesus. Our formation in Christ is kind of like being the people of the future. You could say, living the life of heaven in the present, in any circumstance, When we have the completion of Christ always in mind, in the background of everything, it puts our little lives in context. 
It, it situates us in the bigger picture of God's story and gives us hope that despite our failures, we are being pulled inexorably towards Christ's victory. There's probably a few things in there that you might have that might have stood out to you. There's a few big words as well, but hopefully you can see what he's getting at. And it's essentially if we can catch a glimpse of our future with God and begin to see our eyes through the lens of, of Scripture, through the eyes through the lens of what God says in the Bible, then this can really powerfully shape our lives toward that future today. Remember the imagination that you had before? A thought experiment, what you're like in heaven? Imagine like living towards that today. Over the, over the last few weeks, um, as uh, Matt uh, spoke last week and I, and I spoke the week before, uh, we, we quoted really heavily from John Wimber. I'm not going to quote from him again today, but, but why is it that we keep going back to what he said? You know, John Wimber, in case you don't know, one of the founders of the Vineyard Movement. Why do we keep going back to what he said? Uh, he, wasn't a, he wasn't a super superhuman he, he was, he's not worthy of our worship. He described himself, which I think is so funny. He's, he described himself as being a fat man on his way to heaven. And I think that's great. I go, well, I'm a skinny man on my way to heaven. Nothing special. But John Wimber, here's the thing, and this is why, this is why I think we quote from him and we read what he writes, is because he caught a glimpse of God's good future. He caught a glimpse of the eternal kingdom of God and how it's breaking into the present, how it's breaking into our lives and the lives of those around us. And his, the glimpse that he caught of the future kingdom, it transformed his life, completely transformed his life, transformed the life of those around him, and continues impacting people to this day. Because the kingdom of God is, is eternal, it's timeless. And John Wim is not the only one who caught a glimpse, I don't have any, this is not on the slide, but he's not the only one who catches a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Like, who remembers that, that speech uh, from Martin Luther King Jr.? I have a dream. Talk about like catching a glimpse of the future and then living into that. And there's so many more, so many more people who've gone before us and they catch a glimpse and it impacts us to this day. Who remembers, um, who remembers our old catchphrase at Capital Vineyard? Anyone? Something about transformation? Transform people, transform communities. So kingdom formation, being transformed, it's not just for our own benefit. Not, not so that we feel good, but for the world around us, for our communities, for our families. Kingdom formation is about setting our eyes on the prize and becoming the people that God has created us to be and to do the mission that he has called us to do. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Like this is, oh, I, won't, I won't go down that track. Ultimately, it's about having a vision of Jesus. Having a vision of the future means having a vision of Jesus. And how better... How better to catch a vision of Jesus than simply reading the stories in, in this book, in the Bible, about him. We can read these stories. We've got all of the Gospels. We've got all of the stories um, after the Gospels about how the early believers tried to, you know, tried to figure out how to, how to put these things into practice. And we can do it. We can read it. And we can invite the Holy Spirit, who is with us right now, to bring revelation. 
Uh, if you're here at the start, I, I prayed from the beginning of, of Ephesians, where uh, you know Paul says that the God of the of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the states? In, in the states, <laughs> in the saints, I went to say. So we invite you. Read. We read these words, these stories, and we invite the Holy Spirit to like oh, give us your imagination, illuminate your thinking. So for the rest of the message this morning. I'm going to turn um, and to focus on a couple of stories about Jesus in Matthew 3 and Matthew 4. This is, the, this is the beginning of Jesus' mission. First of all, he is baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan, and then he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And in this story, I think we can really see how some of the dynamics that I've been talking about play out in reality. Oh, you're awesome, Sean, already up there. So... Lord, as we, as we read these stories about you, Jesus, as we read these stories about you, may, may you um, bless us with revelation. May you uh, even enrich our, our imagination. Help us to catch a glimpse of who you are and, and how, we can, how we can direct our lives towards you, Jesus, and, and follow in your footsteps. Amen. So Matthew 3, 13, it's on the screen, or if you've got your Bibles, you might... Um, have that out. Then Jesus came from Galilee. So I'm picking it up, verse 13, 3.13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for, for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We're just going to continue straight into Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. And on their, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. 
These stories are so much, I think, they're so much like our lives as followers of Jesus. We, we come to know God. We realise that He is real, that He loves us. When we, give his, when we give our lives to Him, His Spirit fills us. And we know, oh my goodness. I remember maybe a month ago I spoke and, and I asked you to remember the time that you came to the Lord and, and, to, and to remember that experience. Like we tasted of His of his love for us. I mean, I remember the, the joy that I felt, the, the, the peace that, that I felt, the wholeness, the conversion experience or, or that process, however it happens, we know that God is with us. This is like Jesus' baptism in the Jordan and, and, the, and the Spirit coming down upon him and, and this audible voice, this is my son. And then, so we, so we come to know Jesus and we have like this, you know, we have, uh, for many of us, we, have a, have, we feel good. And, and then, but then we find ourselves in tough situations, challenging moments. Things are not going to plan and, and the questions come up, oh, where are you, God? <laughs> where are you? And, and we experience these tough times and then there's the attack of the devil, temptations, the devil trying to undermine what, what has happened. Does, does God really love you? Does, does God really care? Is God really with you? Is God really real? Has He really called you? So I, th- I think these things, they, they parallel our experience. And, and if they do, then what can we learn from Jesus? Because Jesus, I don't know if you noticed this in the story, He's the one who emerges victorious. Be gone, Satan. And He gives the final words and Satan left. Jesus is the one who, who emerged victorious. So, so how can we learn from him and also uh, learn how to live victorious lives? So there are four points that I want to emphasize. First of all, Jesus knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is God's beloved son. Before he has done anything, <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't healed anybody so far. As far as we know, before he's done anything, his father is well pleased with him. Well pleased with him. And it's the same for us. Before we've done anything, God loves us. Before we've done anything good, God loves us. And there's nothing we can do in our lives. There's nothing we can do to make him love us more. And there's nothing that we can do to make him love us less. This is truth. He loves us and he is with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So, so when we're in those uh, tough and challenging times, God is with us. In the desperate seasons of life, God is with us. Jesus, this is what Jesus knew. Kingdom formation means being anchored in God's love living from that place, being reminded again and again and again daily, if you can, being reminded again and again of that knowledge and that experience. His love initiates and propels. I, I, put, I, I, wanted, I thought these stories, they, work, they, they just come together. This experience of God's love, the, the audible voice of God speaking His love over Jesus, and then from there Jesus is led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. So this is my second point. Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He trusted that the Spirit was leading, and he was obedient, even though, even though it was taking him into a hard place. Wilderness is not an easy place. 
but he follows. Kingdom formation is not something we can do on our own. It's the work of the Spirit in us and with us, and we partner with the Spirit by being obedient when, when he leads. The third thing, so that was the second thing. First thing was kingdom formation begins, ends, is, you know, is, is grounded, is anchored in God's love. The second point is with the Spirit, basically, with the Spirit. Third thing, so the third point. We see Jesus quoting Scripture in his fight against the devil. It says he's been, he's been in the wilderness, he's fasted for 40 days, he's hungry, but the Word of God is the bread that sustains him, even as he is physically hungry after 40 days without food. And we too have the Word of God, we've got the Scriptures, and we have the living Word of God with us, Jesus. We've got this beautiful, incredible, and holy book, and, and do you know what? It's more accessible to us now than I think it's ever been in history, <laughs> We've got, I mean, accessible uh, to read it on your, on your phones, or you go to Amana and you buy a copy. You can download, uh, you know, free copies on, uh, onto your phone. I just said that. I'm saying it again. But, but also accessible, and there's so many resources to be able to understand it. It's so accessible. But that's not the battle, was it? But this book... This is the book that will guide us and sustain us as we engage with it, as we open ourselves up to it, as we ask the Holy Spirit to bring revelation and, and our, ignite our imaginations for the future. Especially in the wilderness places, those hard times. Kingdom formation, this is my third point. Kingdom formation, being, kingdom formation means being anchored in and sustained by God's word. And the fourth point, finally, my fourth point. <laughs> Jesus knows what he's about. I quite like that phrase. He knows who's, he knows who and whose he is. Whose he is, he's God's. He's God's beloved son. Who he is, he is, um, he's, he's on a mission. His, he's got identity and purpose. He knows what his mission is, where he is headed. Jesus is future orientated. Oriented, he's thinking long term. Jesus' mission, as we've been hearing over the last month, maybe longer, is a kingdom of God mission. Jesus is the king, and his kingdom is a full frontal assault on the powers of darkness. And when Jesus comes again, we look forward to that future. When Jesus comes again, all the nations of the world, everyone on earth will acknowledge him as the king. And so in the, in the third temptation, we see this, that the that the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, these could be yours, Jesus. These could be yours. All the kingdoms could be yours if only you bow down and, and worship me. I'm like, do you see it? The devil's strategy, the devil's strategy is to go right for it and to derail Jesus' kingdom mission. The temptation was directly targeted at Jesus' purpose and his calling. A shortcut, an easy way out. And yet Jesus refused, and, and, and instead he submitted to God's plans, even though that meant, you know, what Dave, as what Dave talked about this morning, even though that meant 
laying down his own life and dying on the cross. He was so committed to God and committed to the cause. Matthew 20, 28 says, The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. His mission, his purpose. And he knew that the devil's shortcut to victory was no shortcut at all. It's an absolute lie, wasn't it? It's a lie. It's not a shortcut. It's not going to get you. It wasn't going to get him to where he needed he needed to go. It would have meant complete and utter defeat. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here at church worshiping Jesus if he had bowed down and worshiped the devil in that point. Kingdom formation then means knowing what we're about, who we are, what our purpose is, what our calling is even. Ultimately, it's about to be kingdom agents, to be, to be like Jesus, to be selfless, to be submitted to God and to his cause. And I think this is huge, to be aware of the devil's tactics. How often... How often are the temptations that we face strategically designed to undermine the calling that God has placed on our lives? You might, you might even think about it. There might be certain temptations that you find yourself more susceptible to or like battles in your personal life that you're kind of a bit more, bit more prone to, weaknesses and so on. I wonder if, if that's actually like the, the, the devil trying to undermine actually what's, what God has, 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 has purposed in, in your life, has called you to be. And, and, uh, and, I, and I think a great, well, it's not a great example, but it's an example. And, it, and it's an example that I, that I you know, I experience, and I experience it. And that's why I, um, that I think it's a, maybe that's why it came to mind. But I think of um, I think of the temptation to lust and the, and the temptation to to look at pornography and things like that. How that's that temptation is a shortcut to intimacy. That temptation is a shortcut to intimacy with other people, and it's a shortcut to intimacy because ultimately we find our fullness in God. So ultimately, that temptation undermines intimacy with God and with others. When we become when we can when we can become aware of um, of the temptations that we face, and we go, oh, that's the, that's the devil trying to offer a shortcut to what I really need to find in God. He's trying to undermine my calling. That's a game changer. If we know in advance what the what the enemy is going to do, what he's going to target, it's a game changer. So in this story that we've looked at. Jesus emerges victorious. The devil loses. Even though Jesus is hungry, he's alone, it's, he's in the wilderness, and my, my imagination takes me to, oh, should I go down this track? No, I don't have time. Um, I won't go there. Jesus is hungry. He's alone. He's in the wilderness. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. It's Jesus, and it's Jesus who wins the battle. This victory of Jesus sets the stage for the decisive victory and the cross and his resurrection and his ultimate victory when Jesus returns again. So Jesus has this long game in mind. He's not thinking in this moment, oh, when am I going to get a loaf of bread, right? 
How am I going to get out of this wilderness place? He's got the long-term game, long game in mind. Jesus' victories don't happen. This is really, this is really mind-blowing. Jesus' victories don't happen in a nice restful place. Remember the beginning of the story we looked at was the River Jordan, a place like flowing with uh, water. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I, um, the River Jordan, perhaps it's a nice and, and restful place. Like, no, his victory happens in the wilderness, in the dry place, in the hard place, the lonely place, the desperate place. Like think about those those times when we're weak, when we're tired, when we're alone, when we're susceptible. Now, now imagine if we can like turn our thinking and see those places as being places of of potential victory. Victory through faithful obedience. What did Jesus do in, in these, all these temptations? He, he, every single one of them, submits himself to God. Like the first one, you're hungry, Jesus. Turn these stones into rocks. Jesus goes, no, I'm trusting God. He's going to provide for my needs. The second one, prove yourself, Jesus. Prove yourself to all these people. They don't believe in you. Prove yourself by throwing yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. Then they'll all see you and be impressed. Jesus goes, nah, don't put, the, don't put God to your test, put the test. Submitting himself. And the final one, shortcut to the kingdom. Jesus goes, no, I'm laying myself down. I'm kneeling down before my God. Worship God and Him alone. The wilderness places, I don't know, this is what's been really standing out to me, those wilderness places, these, these tough times, and we've had so many, of them, so many of them this year, and I know that a lot of you are still in those places. These are places where breakthrough happens. You can be setting the stage for for, for futures. I'm just going to finish up. In a moment. I just want to stand. God is, God is really calling us to be, um, to be aware and to be focused and to go, okay, we want to be, we want to be formed by we want to be formed by you, Lord. We want to be formed by your word. We want to be formed to be uh, people who are like you. I loved it how uh, sort of as we, we take communion, we eat that bread and we drink that juice. And, you know, these, these things are like nutritious for us. They actually form our physical bodies. But in the same way, we need to think about our spiritual formation and our mental formation. Oh, Anna, would you um, come and start playing? So Holy Spirit, would you, would you come now, Lord? I, I do believe that you're, you're speaking to us and you're speaking to our hearts, inviting us to, um, to come and surrender ourselves to you again, to have a vision of you, Jesus, to catch a vision of, of who you are. And, and also to catch a, catch a vision of, of who, who we are, Lord. Citizens of heaven, even now, seated in heavenly places with you, Lord, even now. Give us a vision of, even of, of our future that we might, rather than getting on the wrong train that takes us in the wrong direction, that we might get on the train that takes us towards you, Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us, God. 
Lord, some of us are, are weary. We've been in like, we're in tough times. God, there's things going on in our lives and in our families. There's difficult things that we're facing. Lord, would we know your presence? Would you remind us of your nearness, God? Come, Holy Spirit.